Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. It's the sound you've waited months to hear. It's caused some of your greatest triumphs. The Bulls makes the catch, ties ahead, is he in? Yes, and your biggest heartbreaks. For the first time in program history, Charlotte beats a Power 5 opponent. Club late indeed. It's the option at Georgia Tech. It's Howard's Rock. The smoke in Miami. And every Saturday, you tap that sign. College football is here. Team Week continues. Charlotte 49ers, the featured program of the week. Time to dive into some offensive conversation. You can text in if you're a 49er fan, or I guess if you're a Salty Pirate fan, like, well, Salty Pirate is doing because he's talking about ECU. He said, what? No AAC Media Day news now that UNCC High School is in? What? OMG, I can't believe you're talking about it. You guys going to G Vegas to watch the Pirates spank UNCC? Okay, Salty Pirate, that's fine, but we're coming, okay? Biff Pogey, he's laughing at you. He's spanking the podium, telling you we're going to be out there on the football field winning football games, baby. That's what Biff Pogey is about to do with this program. Man, look, I've got a lot of hatred for NC State fans. Mm -hmm. Like, if, if, if East Carolina's athletic department was worth my time hating... I would hate their fan base even more. More than NC State. Oh, yeah, because, well, these are basically just uh, NC State relatives. That's the PG version of what I think uh, ECU fans are compared to state fans. Um, like, like ECU grads are the type that were they, – they couldn't even get an NC State. So they become a fan of East Carolina, and they sit here and talk crap. Dude, I hope Biff Pogey takes this three yards in a cloud of dust offense up there, and they just – I mean, they wear – them out like Michael Orr when he drug that when he when he drove that guy out of the football field that's what I want them to do to East Carolina make them quit uh, Michael S'more if you want to go back to our first segment talking about what Bryce Young is eating on his 22nd birthday happy birthday to one Bryce Young so any conversation that starts with the offense it usually has to start with the quarterback conversation it's actually an area that the 49ers have been pretty good in the last couple of years I think Chris Reynolds is the most important football player in Charlotte's young history as a football team. What Chris Reynolds has done, despite having a ton of guys come in and try to take that job away from him, it's been impressive. Will Healy comes over as the head coach after Brad Lambert. He recruits Chris Reynolds. Reynolds couldn't get an offer really anywhere else, so he stays here. He he comes to Charlotte and then doesn't transfer out at any point, so he's here for a long time. And despite having James Foster transfer to the program, despite having even Evan Sheriff, somebody that played at Miami, Brett Keene, somebody that played at South Florida, or Foster, as I mentioned, being a four-star, that previously played for Texas A&M. Fiddy, all the man did was continue to start games as long as he was healthy. Now, granted, availability was a little bit of a problem, but as long as he was healthy, he was absolutely the best quarterback that this program has ever had. 26 touchdowns, 9 interceptions in 2021, 22 passing touchdowns, 11 interceptions in 2022. We can go back to their first ever bowl game when Chris Reynolds did an outstanding job, especially in the last half of the season. Alex Atkins was their offensive coordinator. 
Alex Atkins did more for this team than maybe, honestly, any other coach has ever done. Like, that guy was an absolute stud of a play caller that would eventually go to Florida State, coach their offensive line, and then eventually be in charge of their offense as well. But he actually utilized the legs of one Chris Reynolds, where he was rushing for damn near 100 yards every single game in the second half or even the last quarter of the season, and that's what allowed them to have a seven-win year. It's not been as successful. They've had plenty of wide receiver talent too, Fiddy, but it does seem like they're going to undergo a fundamental change on the offensive side of the football. Same thing defensively. We'll get to that tomorrow. But offensively, where you have their strengths coming at the wide receiver position, having guys like Victor Tucker, having guys like Michaelis Elder, at least when he was here, they've had a lot of talent. Grant DeBose, he's playing in the NFL right now. Hopefully he gets a roster spot. It's more so of the whole cloud of dust thing you were rolling with. They're going to run the football. They've had running back talent before. Yeah. But I think what they're going to do is put a concerted effort towards running the football, controlling the time of possession as much as they possibly can. And Jalen Jones, the odds-on favorite, the transfer from Bethune-Cookman, the senior, he looks like the guy that is going to take over after you saw James Foster transfer. You saw Xavier Williams, who actually had a nice moment last year. He transfers. Jalen Jones is going to be your starting QB, and it's going to be a running football team, Fiddy. Yeah, and I mean, I think that like, here's the thing, right? Like, you can line up and, and run the ball the way that Biff wants to run the ball when you got the, the offensive line and the running back talent you had at Michigan where Blake Corum and, and Haskins, like the, the, a great one-two combo. You don't have that same type of talent here at Charlotte. So, like, for me, it, it, it really it all starts up front. Like, if they could control the line of scrimmage, then I, I could very much see this this being a successful type of office that you're wanting to try to run. As a college football fan, we live in the era where we see, I mean, even Alabama runs a no-huddle, up-tempo, spread offense. Do, is this going to be fun for you to watch? Like, will it be different for you to watch where you're seeing a team go back to basically saying, we're going to run the ball 35, 40 times a game, really shorten the game? It is not the NFL, and therefore you can run the ball a million times and still win football games. And you can put importance on the running back position. There is no salary cap that you have within college football. So it's totally fine to run the football a ton and that be your identity. The offensive line, I hope, is going to be a lot better this year. I expect Biff Pogey and that staff to have them playing a lot better. Another thing I'll point to with Atkins, as I mentioned, he goes to Florida State to be the offensive line coach. Yep. Well, the play declined after he left. I mean, and it's not coincidental that Florida State becomes yeah. what they I become. Fiddy, think about how awful that offensive line was in Florida State for so many years. And then <laughs> Atkins goes down there, also with the help of Mike Norvell, to give him some credit, too, for helping Tallahassee get back to what there is, uh, what is their rich history as a football school. But Alex Atkins helping that, yeah, like watching all of that unfold, you can tell what you had here just in your own backyard. Hopefully we can get back to that, and I do think that is going to happen within the coming years. I like their running back talent, as I've mentioned. Shadrick Bird, Siobhan McKeatron, they could each rush for over 1,000 yards this season. They also can catch a little bit out of the backfield. So I wonder, even if we go more so to the wide receiver strength that you've had the last couple of seasons, and Victor Tucker, Grant DeBose, guys that have mentioned there, Elijah Spencer, now transferring plays for Minnesota now and I expect to actually contribute you've had some good history at the running back spot I mentioned Khalif Phillips a dog loved watching him play at Charlotte Betty LeMay uh, one of the best players within that program too I mean and, and we can remember one of the best preseason hits ever 
from Benny LeMay when he was playing for the Indianapolis Colts. You have some talent here in Shadrick Bird and Javon McEachern. I got a weird Benny LeMay story you might you might like. Ooh, let's hear it. There was one time I was playing. It was old NCAA 14, but you know, with certain stuff you could get Charlotte onto the video game, right? I um <clears throat> I won the Heisman with him as I took Charlotte to the national championship. Fantastic. So, but no, you're right. You know, it's going to be interesting to see just this philosophical change from a pass happy. But how much of that also was the fact that like you had to score 35, 40 points a night because you were giving up last year 39 points per game. So I think that's going to be the the interesting thing is how long can they stick to this philosophy? If they're as improved defensively as Biff Pogey has stated they're going to be, like he's gone on record and said we're going to be a top 15 defense in the country, then I think you can play this style of football. But what happens if you get in a game and you get down 14-0 or it's 17-3 to in the middle of the second quarter? I think that's going to be the thing is because at Michigan you can still play that style. And you can still stick to your guns. I don't know if they have enough talent, enough depth to do that. And it's going to be interesting to see, can they stay true to who they want to be? Or, you know, will the scoreboard kind of uh, impact the way they want to play? Yeah, I'm not. I think you'll be able to have this identity and be strong with it. Sam DeMann got mad at me on the text line. He's saying that I didn't answer any questions. Maybe you were the one that asked me, are you laughing at this because I didn't answer your question? I mean, I'm just laughing that he said that you were babbling. And you know, uh. that, that was just a little harsh. I mean, I did ask you, are you excited to see the offense? And I think you said, yeah. like, Because, I mean, I yeah. think the thing is, is that like as much as we love watching offensive football, I mean, I love seeing 45, 50 points a game week in, week out. There's something to be said for teams that play this way and win this way because I still think you can win playing, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust. But but the thing is, too, you're, you're right. You're you're acting like running the football means you're not an offensive team. In college football, you can put a boatload of points on the scoreboard by being a run first team. This mm-hmm. is the NFL. It's different, right? When you think about explosive offenses or teams that score a ton of points, you do think of the fantastic quarterback. You think of the wide receiver talent. You think of the air raid type of thing. In college football, you can put a lot of points on the board by just running the hell out of it and that's exactly what Biff Pogey unapologetically so is going to do with Jalen Jones at quarterback I do wonder if they're going to start to run the quarterback position a little more because the reason I tried to set up the combo the way I did with Chris Reynolds Alex Atkins having a successful unit when he was rushing for close to 100 yards per game they got away from that after Atkins went to Florida State So after you moved on to a different offensive coordinator, Will Healy had his fingerprints a little more so on the offense. They started to get away from the quarterback actually rushing the football. That's what I'm excited to see. Yeah, we have the running back talent. Hopefully the offensive line is better. But I'm excited to see if Jalen Jones is going to be somebody that has a decent amount of rushing yards at the end of this season, too. Because also in college football, when you have multiple running threats in the backfield, it's really hard to stop. And then you can exploit some bad not so disciplined defenses at the collegiate level that you see every Saturday. Yeah, no. So I think it's going to be inter- really interesting to see kind of how this thing this thing comes together. But when you look at all the transfers and stuff like that, the way that that, that Biff has recruited the offensive side of the ball as well, it's not going to be the offense that you you're used to seeing every Saturday when you watch 12 hours of college football. 
But I think he's going to get the dudes here that that you need to have. A, you know, they're going to be difference makers at the line of scrimmage. You're going to difference makers at the backfield, at the at the wide receiver position. If you find someone adequate to replace Chris Reynolds, who's been at the school for a decade, I think you can see an offense that can let them be competitive in year one. So here's Jalen Jones' stats last year at Bethune-Cookman. Played in 11 games in 2022. Completed 188 of 321 passes. That's good for about a 59% completion percentage for 2,300 yards. That works to about 207 yards a game. Only threw for 14 touchdown passes. Seven interceptions. Here's the rushing attack. Ran for 574 yards total, five touchdowns. So that is going to be a part of it. I would imagine that Jalen Jones, being the guy that Biff Pogey is rolling with, I do think that the rushing attack from the QB spot, it is going to be more plentiful, fruitful, instead of what we got from Chris Reynolds the last couple of years. I was asking for it. I wanted to see that because they were so effective a few years ago. I think they will get back to that with Jalen Jones. We do have some people writing in AC on the text line. In addition to running the ball, Charlotte has to figure out a way to stop the run, which they could not do last year both sides of the line it has to be better no doubt about it and we will talk about the defense tomorrow because there is a lot of work to do on that side of the ball offense wasn't great last season but defensively that's clearly the biggest weakness in their arsenal that'll do it for the offensive breakdown for the charlotte 49ers we'll talk about the defense tomorrow and we'll continue to talk about some uh carolina panther football charlotte 49er acc there are so many different things going on we still have plenty of sound bites to get to as well we have a couple more segments to go on wesson walker sports radio 92.7 wfnz McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Smoke was walking into the Planet Kia studio saying, hey, did you guys get the email to vote on the ACC preseason awards and votes and all that? And yeah, we all got it. Fiddy, are you going to partake in this? You going to share your opinion on voting for the preseason awards? Oh, yeah, because I didn't I didn't get one when we went to basketball media day. But Flounder, who wasn't out there for it, got one. And so I heard about it all last year on the podcast that, you know, his opinion meant more because the ACC asked for it. Oh, did he really bring oh, that? Be, That's it, fantastic. You know, it really became a thing. Um, <laughs> and it, it really hurt my feelings because let's just be honest. I know more about ACC basketball than anybody in the whole entire building combined. Mm. So, <laughs> you, you, you know, I'm definitely going to I'm definitely going to make up for it this year. But you don't need to be worried that I'm going to just go in there and vote for a bunch of Carolina guys because simply put. There aren't a lot of great ones. Like, I'm going to vote for the Drake Mays and the Cedric Grays and the Power Eccles of the world. 
But it's not going to be just all Carolina blue. Mm-hmm. It's going to be as blue as you can make it, though. Well, I mean, because you got other blue in the conference, like you got Duke blue, Pittsburgh blue. Um, Pittsburgh blue. Yeah, I guess that's true. I've never really thought about that. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, I'm excited. Shroppy, uh, he sent me a snap and uh, with a couple expletives like, describing how happy he was that he get he gets to vote media-wise. Oh, yeah. I've never done it. I've always felt it was, uh, yeah, I've got, maybe it's, I don't know what it means about me. I just don't know enough about the offensive linemen, and I just, I feel like I'm taking away something if I don't vote for someone that deserves it. So I'm just like, you know what? I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Plus, it, it requires some effort. Um, by the way, I do want to know what your streak is now. How many Snapchats in a row which means your snap streak, how many days in a row have you snapped each other, you and Shroppy? All right, we're up to 91 days. <laughs> it's so many. And you do it in order to keep the streak alive. Oh, yeah. Like, I, like there was, like, late last night. I hadn't seen, like, uh, like 11.20-ish. I was playing MLB The Show, and I was like, ooh. Mm-hmm. Our, our our streak's probably on the line. And oh, I wow. Just, you know, and he does the same thing, too. So, I mean, look, you're talking about... Like Shroppy and I are boys. I'm his favorite. Yeah, you guys have become close. So, yeah, well, the Snapchat score indicates that you guys are close. <laughs> 704-570-9610. Feel free to text in with your thoughts and comments. We'll switch gears a little bit more so. Time now to bring you Fitty's visit to the mound. Come on! We'll take you on right here, right now! Come on! Hurry up, batter. It's going to be a short game and i got to get home for lunch. Come on, dog. Was as ugly as you. I'd shave his butt. Tell him to walk backwards. Is that your sister out there in left field? Naked? She's naked? You think she'd go out with me? Every time now I hear about the little kid talking about shaving the butt or whatever, I'm going to think about the Gen Z giant Drew Romich after we had a heart-to-heart about manscaping in the fishbowl before the show that did happen yeah that's so, an actual thing you're uh, right about that thank you for that eternal visual walker <laughs> we are we're officially a week away from the mlb trade deadline and so with the season being very very long you got to kind of points where you look at okay where the season's at with standings and stuff like that I feel like a week away is a good chance to look at the leaders around the divisions in major league baseball the Baltimore Orioles, the best team in the American League with the second lowest payroll in baseball. They lead the AL East, they're 62 and 38. The Minnesota Twins, they lead the AL Central, they're 54 and 48. And the Texas Rangers lost last night in an important three-game set with the Astros. They lead the AL West, they're 59 and 42. Switch over to the National League. The Braves, the best team in baseball, they're 64 and 34. 11 and a half game lead over the second place Marlins. In the NL Central, the Brewers are 56 and 45. And in the NL West, as you could imagine, the Dodgers find themselves in first place. They're 57 and 42. Just really quick, do any of these division leaders surprise you in any form or fashion? Any of the division leaders. I was looking at some of the guys that could be on the move, by the way. That seems exciting to try to figure out what players might be on the move. The the, the team that would be the most um, surprising to me, the Texas Rangers are leading their division, correct? Yeah. Because they've been so good. To me, I think the Texas Rangers would be the team that I would roll with just as far as at the beginning of the season, who I would be surprised that would lead. Are the Texas Rangers as surprising to you as they are to me? No, I mean, I think because of the fact they've 
led the division pretty much since early April. Might well, be I surprising. guess I'm just talking about coming into the season. No, because, I mean, they've got a payroll that, you know, I mean, they've spent, I think, over a billion dollars the last two uh, free agency periods. Signing guys like DeGrom, Seager, and the like. Yeah, I guess so. That's true. It's, and, and Bruce Bochy, as you can remember during your time when Baseball Walker was an actual thing, is one of the best managers to ever manage baseball. I guess I just gave the benefit of the doubt to Houston in order to win that division because the Astros have been so good, even if they have lost some talent over the last couple of years. All right, so those are your division leaders. Your wild card teams, they include the Rays, the Astros, and the Blue Jays in the American League. And in the National League, you got Hoggards Reds, the Marlins, and the Giants and the Diamondbacks. They all are 54 and 47, so there's a three-way tie for the last two wildcard spots in the National League. You're talking about the trade deadline. It's officially a week away. When you look at the wildcard teams, which one do you think are in the best position to be buyers at the trade deadline? The wild card teams to me that I think are, I'm going to try to stall here and figure out exactly what teams I think should be buyers. If you're just outside of the race, then I think right now you'd be looking at some teams like, I don't know, if you're looking at, uh, I'm trying to pull up this list real quickly. Biddy, what list do you think you're going to have to help me here? I'm trying to pull up some of the teams. So, I mean, I, I think you know, going off the top of my head, I think with the, with the way Tampa Bay started, you've got to be buyers because you were 14-0. and 0, You raced out to a big division lead. And now it's 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 gone away to a team like as I just mentioned in Baltimore, the second lowest uh, payroll in, in, in all of baseball. You flip over to the National League, I think the Reds are going to be a factor because I think we've seen with them being good, that ballpark is filled virtually every night. They've got a young core. Maybe they could get hot at the right time and make a run like the Padres or the Phillies made last year. But I think the Marlins. Like you're talking about a team that made the playoffs back during the COVID-shortened season. It was the third only postseason appearance ever in franchise history. The other two, they went on to win the World Series. You're now in a position to actually go to the postseason in a, in, in a normal year and build some real momentum. You were once 14 games above 500. It would be a real waste of a year if they if they missed the postseason altogether. That's the team to look at and say, you've got to go all in and, and, and try to get this club into the postseason because they've proven in three-game series with, with certain teams, they can't compete with some of the better teams in the National League. CJ wrote in on the text line, the Rangers' payroll is huge. Orioles' second cheapest payroll in all of baseball. Baltimore is the answer. AC did say Texas and Baltimore. Love seeing different teams in the mix, like the Reds as well. Twitter Chris wrote a question in. This one's going to be for you more so, Baseball Fitty. Does Otani get moved at the, at the deadline? If so, where do you think he does get moved? Well, as virtually every one of my visits to the mounds, they, they, we get to Otani at some point. We now get to him. The latest rumors for Otani, the Orioles, because they have four prospects in the top 45 in their farm system, the Rays, and the Blue Jays are among the teams with the with a very good chance to trade for them. You know the Dodgers, the Giants are going to be in on them, the Yankees and the Mets are probably going to wait for free agency. The problem is, is they're they're just outside the playoff spot. I think the pro I think the issue is, is do you run the risk of trying to go for the postseason, you don't make it, and he walks in free agency? Or do you trade him away and say, you know what, we're quitting on the year. Mike Trout's still not going to be back for another month to six weeks. We're going to go ahead and get what we can get for this guy. I think that's the issue. Ultimately, I think he gets moved. Because if, if you lose him in free agency, you know what you get in the draft? You get a second-round pick. 
You can't lose this type of generational talent. And the only thing you get in return is a second-round pick. He has to be traded. My question is, if you are the Angels, and here you are actually having a shot to get to the postseason, and then you trade what is the best player in baseball, despite being two games above 500 and having somewhat of a shot to get to the postseason, how angry would you be at the Angels for just not ponying up and deciding to bring him in, even with that risk of him possibly leaving in free agency? I, I think because if you're trading him away, you know you're getting a pretty good haul from him. I, I, I think you can live with the fact that you're basically quitting on the year. Look at what he's doing. And you're two games above 500. Mike Trout can't stay healthy. Anthony Rendon can't stay healthy and stuff like that. So um, I, 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 I would be very understanding because he's not your future. He's not going to be an angel even if you don't trade them. Yeah, so. if, if they're 6-4 and four right now, and let's say here we are a week out, they have uh, a series coming up with the Detroit Tigers right now on the road. If they're 6-4 and four in their last 10 games, if they start to rattle off a couple of wins, is that going to make it harder, or are you just looking so far into the distant future that it doesn't matter what you do in the next week or so? I mean, I would say if you sweep the Tigers and then you take your next series, maybe you keep them. But like, like let's say you drop 2-3 to three to Detroit. No, you got you to you, you, you yeah. conceive. So. Yeah. I am interested to see how the next week will change them, uh, change their direction on what they do at the trade deadline. That'll do it for Visit to the Mound. You can give your thoughts and comments on the text line, as always. Appreciate everybody for texting in at 704-570-9610. Let's bring it back to the Carolina Panthers conversation because we still had some more sound to get to. Just opinions on some of the veterans that are reporting today before they start practicing tomorrow and training camp officially starts. Greg Cosell, he was on the Ross Tucker football podcast, and he was discussing how he thinks the Panthers actually have a really good skill position group. Fitty, this is the first time we've heard anybody praising this, uh, the skill position group. Here's more from Greg Cosell. You know, I actually think they have a pretty good skill position group overall. You know, you don't think of Carolina that way, but I mean, you look at what they've done. I mean, the Thielen, Chark, Terrace Marshall is a young player who I think should be trending upward. I love Jonathan Mingo coming out of college, Ole Miss. So, you know, he's he was their second-round pick. Loved his tape. Think he can be a really good pro receiver. Um, you know, you mentioned Sanders. They still have Chubba Hubbard. Um, I mean, they've got guys. This is a really good skill position group. I love Chubba Hubbard <laughs> instead of Chuba. Anybody that doesn't know that you pronounce his name Chuba, they always go Chubba, and it always makes me laugh. Big time, big time weapon, Chubba Hubbard is. Yeah, I think the skill position group, it's the thing that's baffled me the most, to be honest with you. And I've talked about it a lot. I understand that this is not a top 10 receiving group. Totally get it. But when you compare them to what they had last year, I just didn't hear that same energy for them. Everybody looked at DJ Moore, and you know how much of a fan I am of him. I think he's mm -hmm. a legitimately very good wide receiver that is Pro Bowl level. But you have so much talent at the wide receiver position in the NFL anyways. Like, there's a lot. But if that guy is getting 1,100 yards with the type of quarterback play that you've put out on the football field the last five years, that's really impressive to me. But after DJ Moore, then you're going to somebody like Terrace Marshall Jr., the second leading receiver. We don't know if he's going to be the third guy this year. He very well could be fourth in receiving yards with Adam Thielen, DJ Chark, Hayden Hurst. You have Jonathan Mingo, who I expect to have a real role. It's why this is the this is the only time that we've heard anybody talk about their group in a positive way. And we're not even saying other people have ranked them at like 22nd. 
They're ranking them dead last in the mm-hmm. NFL. There is more depth this season than you had last year. And to me, I don't even think it's all that close considering the depth they did not have last year and the tight end position too. You know, the thing, the thing I've really thought about because we we've heard, I mean, Wes has talked about this at length and stuff like that. There's something to be said for having, you know, number one guys at their position for having dudes, having dudes that you can say he's him or whatever. But what, one, if, one, if the scheme is so refined that you can put these players in there and they still be productive. Now, maybe that comes across arrogant. Maybe maybe that's something that Carolina should not bank on. But I think it goes to the confidence that Frank Reich and Thomas Brown have in their offensive system that they feel like they can have, quote-unquote, not number one guys across their offensive skill position group and still be productive offensively. You also got a quarterback that I think makes it a lot easier to play that type of way. So um, do I think they're a top? 15 offensive unit no but I think they're a top 20 ish and I I still think if the defense is as good as it is that's still good enough for this team to be competitive and put up points week in week out one other theme that I've constantly talked about with this receiver group is the fact that I'm not totally sure who the number one guy is going to be by season's end. I do think Adam Thielen will be default wide receiver number one coming into the league and that's exactly what Steve Smith had to say on the Kyle Bailey show yesterday. There's a clear-cut number one guy because it goes with uh, seniority and experience. Makes it has sense. to be at, it has to be Adam Thielen. Uh, you also look at uh, the coordinator um, with Coach Thomas. Where does he come from? He comes from the Los Angeles Rams. Understanding that you got to have a guy that can move around who's super duper smart, and that's Adam Thielen. Not to say the other guys aren't, but Adam Thielen has the most experience on the roster for the wide receivers in a wide receiver room. I think going into the year, it makes total sense that he's going to be that guy. So maybe after the first half of the season, whatever marker you're looking for, he's going to be the one that leads the team in receiving yards, maybe leads the team in receptions. I think there could be something very different though with that. Because we thought DJ Moore, he's been the number one wide receiver since he was drafted on this squad. I don't think there was any overlap with anybody significant, if I'm not mistaken. So when DJ Moore was your first round pick, he becomes wide receiver number one. And then when they signed Robbie Anderson, even we knew Robbie's going to be wide receiver two. But Robbie had more receptions his first year, his only successful year here with Carolina. It's what made me impressed with DJ. It's the fact that he could help you in a lot of different ways. Possession receiver the year before Robbie came over, but then had like 66 receptions, still clearly the number one wide out and had more yards than Robbie did. And Robbie, I think, posted like something 90 receptions or so. So I do think if I had to go in different categories, I go with Adam Thielen as the guy that will lead the team in receptions this season. I think that's going to happen for him especially with him being a possession type of receiver. He's not, you know, going deep. DJ Chark, Terrace Marshall having one of the higher grades on go routes last year. I think Adam Thielen working within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage, you're probably going to see more targets. You're probably going to see more receptions for him. Yardage-wise, I don't think Thielen ends up. That would be a somewhat bold take. I don't know how bold it is, but you can decide that for whatever you want. My take would be that somebody else leads this team in receiving yards outside of Adam Thielen. I think the thing with Thielen you got to worry about is how much does he have left in the tank? How how different? How does he adjust to not having Justin Jefferson line up, you know, opposite him, who's the best receiver in football? But you're talking about a guy that I mean, you know, was a few years ago was one of the one of, if not the best. Well, you know, it was in the top five, and when we're talking about receivers in the NFL, it was a route god of sorts of the way he could get himself open. 
and and and, and, and do all those types of different things. So. I'm with you. I, I I think he starts the year as Carolina's number one receiver. I don't think he necessarily ends the year as number one receiver. And I think that's by design. I think, you know, I think you're hoping Terrace Marshall can continue to grow and build and stay healthy and be on the field. And we're hearing a lot of good stuff about Jonathan Mingo. The more and more we're getting closer to the season and the type of role he's going to have, I think it's going to be after the bye week where he really comes on and starts producing but I think he is going to be the big play target for this offense if this if this offense wants to be quote unquote explosive. Going to the text line, seven oh four thinks Hayden Hurst is going to be the number two uh, receiver on this team. Do you think he's going to put up enough yards for him to be right behind whoever you think is going to be number one? Uh, I mean, as a guy that loves seeing tight ends get involved, I, I mean, I'd love for that to happen. I feel like number two is still a little strong. But what is a young quarterback's best friend? It's a tight end. And Hayden Hurst is a productive tight end. So I think he's going to be a very productive member right out of the gate starting week one. All right, last soundbite I want to get to before the last segment of the show. We'll go back to Steve Smith on the Kyle Bailey show, not just talking about the wide receivers, but also talking about this running back group, like what you have with Chubba Hubbard. Here he is talking about the running back core with this team. I believe that this backfield for the Carolina Panthers can be extremely complicated and they have three or four different backs who all do different things, right? And so they, you, you, you can really become creative and have different speeds. And then they also can challenge each other. Tuba Hubbard was presumably showing he can play football. He has some, you know, got injured a little bit. He's still young. Blackshear comes out of nowhere. And then now you got Peoples, you have uh, Miles Sanders. So all of this, all of this offense, they really can. These running backs can really change the pace of the game, in which we didn't have that ch- uh, change of pace when we traded off CMC. What do you think about Cam Peoples being the first running back he mentioned? <laughs> Does Steve Smith know something that we don't? Because he's involved with the team. Is Cam Peoples going to get a fair shot at actually making the roster? I would say he's probably at least fourth on the depth chart behind Blackshear at three, Chuba Hubbard at two, and Miles Mm -hmm. Sanders at one. But maybe Peoples can make it. I do agree, though, that you have a nice balance of skill sets there with the top three guys, especially with Sanders coming in, having a great rushing attack last year. I think he's going to be more involved in the passing game. He'll put up more receptions than what he did last year. I think he is a very good route runner out of the backfield. Blackshear doing the same thing. And Chuba Hubbard, second half of the season, I've said it a million times, really improved. I really like him coming in as a guy that can give Miles Sanders a rest. And hopefully they do that, unlike what they did with uh, Christian McCaffrey. But if they are, then I'd, I'd expect decent things from Chuba Hubbard this year as a backup running back. I, I think he totally can help out this football team as a second stringer. You know, when you look at Peoples, he's a man of the people. So I feel like he's going to be given the opportunity to make the roster in some form or fashion. The thing I love about this position group is that you've got you've got depth, you've got experience, you've got talent, and you've got flexibility. Like You can do a lot of different things. I think you're going to see a lot of two-back sets and stuff like that. And so I think it's going to be really interesting to see how Thomas Brown and Frank Wright first divvy up the carries and figure out what these guys' role are going to be. Because I feel like the top three guys, I feel like they can produce on a week-in, week-out basis, all three in very different ways. 704-570-9610. You can get your photo finished text in before the show ends today. We have one more to go on Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. 
McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. segment to go on Wesson Walker. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Listen to some club music before we head on out of here. Man, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Got a little tired in the last like 30 minutes or so, but I, I think it has to do with me kicking the energy drinks out of my life now. At least the bang energy drinks. Because those things have 300 milligrams. Yes, 300 milligrams of caffeine in them. And that's what I've just been on pretty much every day I roll in. And so now I'm trying to break that down, go to something a little less caffeinated, not necessarily 100% kicking it, but I'm going to Celsius's now, which those have 200. I mean, I sound like a degenerate talking about caffeine right now, but look, baby steps, man, baby steps. I'm trying to kick the energy drinks and Fitty, you're trying to kick soda. And yeah, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and bring it to the table. You had your first soda for the first time in a long time. And you said as you were drinking it that it hits different because this has to be the first soda you've had in like, what, a couple months? It's been, I think, I think I started, I, I cut out soda the first week of June. So you're talking about seven weeks. Plown, as he does virtually every day, made a lunch run. And he typically brings me back sweet tea. But whenever I go to Taco Bell, I drink Pepsi with my taco. So he brings back a Pepsi, and I didn't want to complain because he's had a very long, hard day. Got a lot of work done that's got to get done. So I took a sip, and man, I'm not even—I'm not gonna lie, I got a mini headache. Oh, really? Yeah. That's that's good. That that, that means that you aren't gonna go back to it. Now, here's my question though: How much do you drink sweet tea? Like, I do think that might defeat somewhat of the purpose of just cutting out soft drinks altogether. A glass a day. Okay, just one glass a day. I have a, a, a glass, except you know, on Sundays. Sunday's kind of my cheat day. Like I'll, I'll have it with my breakfast. I'll usually have it when I go to lunch. But then I'm done. Then I go back to just drinking straight water. Moose is on me for quitting. He said, Walker, you can have 400 uh, milligrams of caffeine a day. 300 is nothing. And her drinks aren't that bad. As someone in nutrition, they're fine. Yeah, I just don't. Like 400, I'm only 100 away after I drink one. And so it's like, all right, maybe we just dwindle this down a little bit more so. Coach Jeff said, if you kick soda for a month and try it, it tastes like pure chemicals. I don't have any problem kicking soda out of my life. I've done it a couple of times. I'll drink one every now and then, but it's not something I absolutely need. And so it does look like your transition is going pretty well, Fitty. Like, it's not something that you're hankering for. You're not scratching your neck like Tyrone Biggins looking for soda at every turn. Yeah, no, it's definitely been uh, a nice lifestyle change. I've lost weight. Um, I can feel my uh, my face isn't as fat. Okay. Everyone says whenever you first start losing weight, you lose it in your face, and I can definitely attest to that. 
And I never once had a coke or not, I said a cocaine withdrawal. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Hopefully, you don't have any cocaine withdrawals. That matters. I haven't had any caffeine withdrawals. And, and then today, I, I I have one. And this one dude said, if you kick soda for a month and you try it again, it tastes like pure chemicals. That's what I just read, by the way. Oh, did I mean. you? Yeah, yeah, it's not okay. listening. We it's got a right. problem with that sometimes. I definitely can taste that because my head is kind of hurting. Yeah, I can't. I can't tell you the last time. Really, I've had one as well. Uh, we have some other people writing in some great recommendations. I don't have any problem trying some of these recommendations. Buy, B-A-I, I guess that's how you pronounce it. Uh, they're saying that 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 is one of the suggestions here. 971 says, yeah, 300 milligrams sounds a lot, but it's really not nutritionally speaking. See, I just maybe I was just being carried by the wave. That is the timeline of nutrition on social media, X, Twitter, Instagram, whatever. But it just felt like something I should be doing. But Fiddy, instead of supporting me in my kicking of caffeine, everybody's actually coming to my defense saying, nah, it's okay, Walker. Just continue to drink Bang Energy Drink. Yeah, I mean, like, here's the thing. You haven't had one the last two days, and uh, I'm going to be honest, you've been a lot more pleasant to work with. Oh, so. don't you do that. <laughs> you think, I, how, how have I been more pleasant to work with, you think? You know, a lot less calm, no no, no yelling matches down in the fishbowl, very receptive <laughs> to some of my show ideas. This wasn't happening beforehand. Like, I like Bangless Walker. (laughs) (laughs) I don't feel like it's any different. Maybe I got a little more tired. Maybe I got a little more (laughs) tired. But I feel like you've been in the good mood. See, this is another thing that we talked about before we hopped on. It's the fact that you think I have been in a good mood. And that has changed what you've been coming into every single day. But no, you have been the one. That has completely changed your outlook. I think no was soda contributing to your bad behavior. Is that what was rolling on? Because there are times where you come in as a very angry person. Mm-hmm. You've you've embraced that before, but it has been different the last few weeks. I mean, we are kind of going on a month right now, and I love good mood, Fitty. Yeah, I mean, may, maybe it is. I don't know. I don't really buy into that whole stuff where like certain foods make you feel or act a certain type of way. But maybe this is science proving to me that once again. <laughs> I like how once you do the experiment, now you know, yep, all right, now it's working. So, My scientific experiment, <laughs> drinking one sweet tea per day and no soda, this is actually what I'm working with. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, a lot of it was just uh, wanting to be a little bit more positive about life. I've quit allowing multiple Met losses to ruin my outlook. But I'll warn you, and I mean, you experienced this firsthand a year ago. If Carolina basketball wants to underwhelm and underperform, you're going to be in for a long winter. That's just how it is. You weren't as bad as I thought you were going to be. You just were, you're just really distracted when games are going on while we're on air. <laughs> when a Mets game is on air, I do not have you at full attention. <laughs> when a Tar Hill game is on, that's what happened when they lost to Pittsburgh. I mean, we didn't talk to you. We tried to. We tried to talk to you for like an hour and a half, but it just didn't work. Yeah. Not nearly as well. But, you know, as on the flip side, you, you were paying so less attention to me during that moment. You missed me throw my headphones. Like you would just, I had to tell you about my headphones being thrown off my head after I think it was a charge call I lost my mind on. Because <laughs> when you zone out, man, you zone out. When I zone out? Yeah. I kind of did right there. Asking <laughs> your All right, I was wondering. <laughs> That'll do it. We're done. Three hours. It's the max. Let's pass it on to Kyle Bailey, who's going to have you covered on everything going on in the sports world. It's a lot. Carolina Panthers training camp. It's starting tomorrow. ACC media days going on this week. Kyle Bailey, Smoke Ludwig. They're going to have you covered. It's Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.